Welcome back again, Ball Watchers. We've got a special guest interview today for you all. And if you all tuned in to our recap against San Jose, I teased this interview coming up. And with your all's help, we are able to release this early. So thank you all to getting on social media and liking the message to get this out early to you all. We're super stoked about it. Uh, Basically, we were able to sit down with Jared Phillips, who is the sports performance director at St. Louis City SC at the pitch in the little private room there and pick his brain for about an hour about his background, his experience, and how he's making an impact at the club. And I don't want to spoil anything for you all, but I think you'll be very curious to hear about his experience and how he approaches fitness and performance and health and wellness for each of the players that we have on this team. And I think he's a crucial cog in our system in keeping us healthy and injury-free, which I'm sure we're all thinking about these days with these injuries. So I want to shout out Jared and give him a huge, huge thank you for letting us interview him on the show. He was amazing. I cannot wait to speak to him again. And I think he's a big, big piece of what we're building here at St. Louis City SC. And without further ado, we will go to that now. Today, we're joined by Jerry Phillips, a member of the first team coaching staff here at City and the current director of sports performance at St. Louis City SC. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thanks a lot, Jake. Um, Yeah, we've been in contact for quite some time now. It's taken a while to (laughs) finally get this going, hasn't it? It's been a long time coming, and you come from quite a far place compared to here in St. Louis. So, Jared, tell, I know some of the folks know you're South African, but tell us a little bit about some of your background and kind of growing up in South Africa. Yeah, born and raised in South Africa. Um, played soccer there my whole life. Um, much like a lot of other people sort of involved in this industry, you know, sort of started off playing soccer at a young age. Um, got into a really good academy over there, started my, making my way through the ranks. And um, I would argue I was on a pretty good trajectory to getting to a really good place in my soccer career. Um, and it was just hindered by so many injuries, you know. Um, so as a result, while I was spending time on the sidelines, sort of going through rehabs and recovery processes, all my teammates and the guys who ended up playing pro were on the field honing in on their skills, you know, just spending that much more time being dedicated to their craft. Mm. Um, and those are the little nuances that I started missing out on, you know. Yeah. Um, and so fast forward all these years, all that time that I spent in physical therapy yeah. and trying to get better and getting back to a really good place, like you inherently pick up like all the systems and the processes that you go through, mm-hmm. you know? So when I eventually got over here to the States and played soccer in college, um, if I'd pick up another injury, I, I would already have a pretty good sense of like how to come through yeah. and how to get my body back right. on track and get playing. And and eventually by um, my early 20s, um, I was already over here in the States. By then got to the States, um, I think 19, 20 yeah. um, years old. and was already starting to think about that coaching route. You know, there was just like aspects of my body that I knew like when you loaded on a lot of volume of playing soccer and everything that it entailed to sort of uh, go to that next level. um, I I just realized that uh, I'm not sure if my body had that resilience anymore already by that stage. Um, So 
got into coaching really early mm-hmm. um started uh taking care of a lot of my coaching licenses and everything pretty much um after my first year of college started getting into the the woods of 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 all of that good stuff but um while i was playing a coach was giving me more responsibilities on on recruiting on why we're doing this training and everything like that and so basically from around the age of 20 21 22 i was really sort of helping with the recruiting process mm-hmm. and aspects of um coaching and everything like that at the college level yeah um even in my undergrad when i was busy playing it's so. that's fascinating i I've, so i heard you tell a little bit of that story on the city voice podcast but i feel like what you experienced was kind of like a silver lining where mm-hmm. you know you're hindered by injuries which is of course just really unfortunate mm-hmm. but being behind the scenes learning about the processes and rehabilitation and how you get back and then getting into the coaching side of things it's almost like where would you be had that not happened to you like do you think that's part of what steered you in this direction and do you think that perspective can help someone like you in your role absolutely man um you know i think if i hadn't gone through this obviously i I feel like maybe i would have extended that so-called playing career a little bit more you know honestly who Mm -hmm. knows like these guys that are actually making it to the top level of pro these days are so outrageously good i'm not yeah. i'm not even sure if i, I could come yeah. contend with that if i had right. a, a single injury you know yeah um but i i do think it would have maybe changed my focus a little bit in terms of maybe i would have been less interested in the performance mm-hmm. side of of soccer and everything and maybe concentrated more on the actual coaching side of mm-hmm. things you know um, and my head, to, to be honest, that's where my head was going anyways. You know, I, I wanted to get into the coaching and everything, but I just had this, this passion and this burning desire to help athletes, help soccer players just perform at their optimal. Yeah. Um, how to avoid injuries, how to just get stronger, um, just better, faster in, in aspects of whatever they did, you know. So... I had a decent uh, spell when I was going through grad school and everything where it wasn't just um, soccer players that I was helping. Um, it was a few others, but mm. it just always kept coming back to soccer, back yeah, to soccer. And, right. and that's where my head has been for as long as I can remember. So, yeah. you, you know, I, I felt as if it was a little bit of writing on the wall. And I, and I always said that I either wanted to become a pro soccer player, which is a bold statement in itself, but or I wanted to work with pro soccer mm-hmm. players. So I, I knew that I wanted to take that whichever path there was into the pros um, and basically be the best version of myself whether it was one or the other yeah got it okay so before we peel back the curtain into kind of sports performance and your role and kind of how you tend to go about things here at city and in your past roles as well i want to have two more things before we leave south africa And and the first thing is south africa as a country i think my extent of knowing it is people i know that maybe maybe go on their honeymoon and do a safari there mm-hmm. or people that watch the 2010 world cup there but describe for me soccer's relationship in south africa are is it a huge sport are there other sports that kind of are the tip of the pyramid there or is it is that something you dream a lot of kids dream about as playing professional soccer in south africa soccer is like undoubtedly the most played sport okay. there um but it's not um, the most recognized sport, okay. I would say. South Africa is really recognized for its rugby and its yeah, cricket and right. its, uh, its pro golfers yeah. and things like that. Um, it seems as if uh, soccer gets put on the back burner a little bit, um, but I tell you what, the, the talent that comes out of that country in terms of um, the individual players who are coming up through the academies, you get the academies like the... 
um, the Orlando Pirates and the Kazi mm-hmm. Chiefs, you know, that's where yep. Blom just came through right. and everything like that. The, the players on an individual level are so outrageously good. Um, and just, it's probably for, they get faced with the guys who end up making it with a really tough decision where, hey, you're going to go play for the first team, whether it's at Kaiser Chiefs or Orlando, yep. Orlando Pirates, um, Sundowns, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and they get compensated for it pretty well. You know? yeah. And they become stars in the eyes of South Africa. Right. Um, but when it comes time to sort of taking that next step into various parts of Europe and stuff, now now that's a big step, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's a different culture. It's a, uh, There's different methodologies at the club. And so it's, you see the guys who come out to, um, to the States and to Europe and everything and go on to make it. Um, that is a step beyond the rest in terms mm-hmm. of like th- they've they've come a long long way yeah. to sort of just drive that success in their yeah. career so yeah the i think the soccer is it, it's kind of been overshadowed over the okay. years because the national team's sort of like fallen down the ranks and right. everything like that it's, it's uh it's had its hardships you know i think the most you saw them was probably the t- 2010 world yep. cup and uh Shabalala scored that yes. banger of a goal Legendary. you know against yes. mexico and I mean, but if you think about in terms of how much exposure that national team has had since then, um, probably very little. Yeah. And so it, it would be nice to see that the talent that comes out of South Africa and the talent that's there now, and even the talent that's playing in Europe, um, help that national team sort of climb up the, the world rankings again. It would be lovely to eventually see them in a World 100%. Cup again, you know? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And then another, this is just a small, this is a St. Louis-minded question for you, but... Did you and Coach Bradley Carnell at all cross paths there? Any similar connections back to South Africa, given you're both from there originally? I would say he was probably about 10 plus years uh, ahead of me. Okay. You know, I I never knew him personally before then. Um, I had obviously known of Bradley Carnell. He was a pretty big household name, um, just in terms of playing for Bafana Bafana and his time that he did spend playing in South Africa, which was a fairly short stint, and then he went over and had the career he did in Germany. Yeah. Um, but the most exposure you would probably get when you saw him was if you would, if you happened to have one, uh, the channels to watch Bundesliga, mm-hmm. um, or two if he came back and he played for the national team. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like his first professional um, club was the club that I was at as an academy player. Yeah. So he was a number of years ahead of me, obviously. Um, but in terms of crossing paths and everything yeah. like that, I mean, I probably would have loved it had we done it sooner. Yeah, um, right. But no, never met him before. And okay. in fact, our first visit was when he was coaching for Red Bulls and I was coaching for Minnesota United. Right. And we were over in Minnesota and he walked by me and I walked by him and he said, hi. And I said, how's it? And he turned around and he was like, did you just say, how's it? And then I went, <laughs> turned around and I went, Brad? And... Um, yeah, and that was basically the start of our relationship, wow. you know. And so crossing paths, literally crossing Unreal. the field, walking opposite directions in uh, Minnesota, um, in a Minnesota Red Bulls game. Yeah, unbelievable! Yeah. Oh my god, I, I love that small, you know, like the small world mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. I, yeah. I love those connections that we have here. But that's a cool story. And so obviously now we're gonna leave South Africa. Let's get to the states. You said you made that transition. I think like around nineteen, twenty years old. Yep. 
and going to college here, we, we do a grad assistant job as well where we get some coaching experience, but mm -hmm. also delving a little bit more into the sports, performance, mm -hmm. sports science kind of side. So what kind of intrigued you about that? Where I know you definitely had that interest in coaching. You probably had the interest in performance coming from your many injuries and managing yeah, yeah. those. But what kind of piqued your interest and really kind of said, I really want to pursue this and get into this a little more? You know, I was always interested in, you know, as, as a soccer player, you're always interested in, in your fitness in general, yep. right? You always want to sort of, you want to be faster, you want to be leaner, you want to be just just stronger. Um, you, you want to be able to run for days. As a soccer player, you, you just want to be able to run and run and go and go and go. And so th that was always there. And so when I was playing in the PDL, um, like we had a group of guys and, and this is when I started realizing, you know, I kind of want to turn that corner on um, from going into player into more of a coaching role so I was coaching the the reserve team there at the same mm -hmm. time which got me thinking about okay well this is what it actually means to run a training session this is what a training session involves you know it's not just showing up and having guys just run around a, a big rectangle and kick a ball right. and, and hopefully at some yeah. point they figure it out um, and so that led me to a lot of conversations with my coach um, of that PDL team and that kind of really got me honed in on okay this is a little bit more detailed and complex and mm -hmm. i really like why, where this is going um and so i just felt with my background my playing um everything else that went involved in it that this was something that like i almost felt like i was just meant to do you know yeah and so when i got into uh, grad school and we were coaching over there you as a grad assistant um, I was fortunate that the coach gave me a lot of coaching responsibilities um, and there was there was two of us running the show um, he had his responsibilities and I was fortunate that he gave me a lot of responsibilities yeah. and we just try to we had to wear a lot of hats let me put it that way right. and so we just try to keep coming up with ways like how could we improve um, mm -hmm this team with minimal resources right and so the first step that we took was buying these guys heart rate monitors and having that heart all those heart rate monitors sync up to a live ipad and it was live tracking and then you started getting into the the details of all right this exercise means this and this exercise means that in terms of hey this elicits this type of right. response or if we play small sided it's really fatiguing because it's really intense um, so you see the spike in heart rate um, or if we make guys do small one-on-one -on -one, 2v2s 2v1s that kind of stuff it's also really really hard because of the constant movement of the players um, and then when you get into the larger stuff then you start to see how it becomes almost more on your aerobic side where guys are covering longer types of right. distance there's a little bit more walking they're not mm -hmm. that involved in the play constantly yeah so it starts to like get you thinking about okay so if a 1v1 means this then what does an 11 v 11 mean yep. you know that's obviously an extreme right. example um so having that chance at that early age to sort of delve into what all these activities mean right. on, in a very like elementary fashion back then yeah. um, was probably the starting point of that sports science yeah. realm. You know, so afterwards we would sit on this iPad and download the the heart rate data and yeah. look at it. And hey, at this point we were doing this exercise, and this point we were doing this exercise. And oh, hey, look at the heart rates in between there. And mm -hmm. hey, this was a big spike. Why was it a big spike? And how if this person's spike was over here, what was this person's? Um, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. 
Wow. Fascinating, though. I mean, yeah. the, 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 all of a sudden, the explosion of data and mm-hmm. I feel like science that has gotten into sports. I remember the entry, the, like the doorway that I started to see there was the science behind sports was, I don't know if you remember, but uh, on ESPN, I feel like Sports Center or somewhere used to have like a sports science mm-hmm. quick segment. Yeah. And there was a host to it and they'd zoom in on or click down on like a different sport or mm-hmm. a different type of action every time and every single episode you left just feeling fascinated that there's so much that goes into that and all the numbers and the nitty-gritty that can make a huge huge impact on it so i mean you're in a very important role Mm -hmm. and you held this similar role at least at clubs like minnesota clubs like seattle which i wrote down here jared i mean a lot of success has followed from when you've been involved in these organizations i saw i I see here so at seattle you're a member of the sporting staff that made the playoffs every season Mm -hmm. while you were there and you achieved a similar feat with the Revs when you were there making the playoffs all three years while helping uh, the team to a supporter shield in 2021. So successes seem to follow you. City, too, obviously made the final appearance last year. So, I mean, what's what's in the water? What Are you bringing something very special or different to the game? Or do you think you just have this drive and this work ethic and all the experience you bring to the table that just makes a difference on how you manage players? Uh Honestly, I wish I could say it was all me, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's it's definitely not, yeah. you know. Um, w- one thing I would say is probably lies within one of my main strengths, um, and it's probably a pretty simple one, is being able to develop a, a good, sound relationship with um, the head coach and the, and the coaching staff. Um, and I think without that, you immediately lose that ability to communicate um, and when you lose that ability to communicate between um, where the players are physically on a, on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and where each player is um, sort of individually as a result of every training session, um, I think players start to inherently fall off because if I put 12 players on the line and I make them run from A to B yeah. and B back to A or whatever it is, um, that sprint from A to B and B back to A means something entirely different for, for everybody. Right. Um, so you have your sprinters, you're probably going to think this is the easiest thing in the world. And then you have your aerobic guys um, who are probably going at full tilt just to sort of keep time right. of that, you know. So again, just a really, really basic example of um, how you have 11 players on the field and that game means something almost entirely different to mm-hmm. every single guy. Um, and it's being able to take the complexities of um, all of that meaning and what it means to each player and in a very simple term be able to communicate to the coaching yeah. staff and say hey this is where we are and this is what we do yeah. and so the easiest way to do that is if we have center we obviously have center backs playing we have outside backs we have our wide players we have our center mids attack center mids forwards mm-hmm. and they have specific positional demands that they go through every single weekend Mm -hmm. Um, and so if that's what they have to do every weekend and that's what they're going to be exposed to every weekend well then it wouldn't make much sense if I was training them in or we were training them in a very different way come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday so suddenly if our number nine was being trained as an outside back or something like that well, we would be exposing him to different demands and different stresses that were almost inappropriate to his development. Right. And so the biggest thing that you see with our training is that uh, if you've ever heard of the uh, the said principle, yeah. uh, specifically yep. adaptation to imposed demands. So we keep we try to keep them 
in their positions and we try to push the barriers within their positional roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. so you're not expecting your your number nine to be bombing up and down the line like a jared stroud for example right. you know where, <laughs> yeah. where that kid will probably cover more ground in half the game than a lot of people that you'll come across would cover in 60 70 80 90 minutes right um just because of his like unbelievable engine that he has right. you know so to take a jared stroud and put him at a center back you probably yeah. like slightly idiotic for sure but um so it's it's really just finding out who these players are um and making sure that you're optimizing their training and something that's very specific to what they're going to see mm-hmm. um come the weekend yeah and so you that you you yeah then you go oh yeah that makes sense that's really basic but you you'll be surprised <laughs> at how many people miss that boat you know yeah and i i feel like listen to you respond to that the things that stuck out to me is how you take things it's very personal it's it's very personal it's very positional mm-hmm. and so there's two different unique you know aspects of that coming together that creates probably a lot of work on your end to make sure that it's precise to the person and precise to that person's position as well Absolutely. so you can see where the complexity mm-hmm. comes from and, yeah. and how seriously you take it because that can't be easy and then you take it you know you add the element of different days and how many days we have between matches and Every element, I feel like, just contributes and makes it even more you know, yeah, hard yeah. to manage. But Absolutely. you're doing a phen- phenomenal job so Thank far. Thanks, and man. I kind of want to peel back the curtain on, just for the, the listeners out there, and even myself, around you know, what does a normal type week look like? I think for most weeks, you play a Saturday and a Saturday, mm-hmm. let's just say. So if you're approaching, let's just say it's Sunday. And usually, is Sunday usually like a day off if, if Saturday night is a game? Like, or, or do we start that clock Sunday and then we back it up to Saturday? Like, what does a normal week kind of look like in the lives of these players with taking the personal and the positional out of it? But like, how do you kind of stack your, your week up to make sure that we're approaching the right way? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, in short, uh, to Sunday being off, that, that's a yes and a no answer. Yeah. And so if we're playing here at home, Sunday will usually be um, a recovery day. And we, we call it a split session. So the guys who play a lot of minutes or the yep. starters, they'll go in and they'll have a recovery day. Um, they'll spend time getting a massage, you know, sort of um, going through a whole regen with uh, Kelly. I'm sure you've heard it, mm-hmm. heard and seen her name pop yep. up. And so she's doing a really good job on the sports science side, being able to track and monitor uh, and really stay on top of the types of stresses that these players have gone through on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. which is easier for us because it paints that picture of where guys are. And when we know where they are, we know what to do with them. And so Sunday, where guys would start, they go through a full recovery, uh, regen day, and the other guys will go into a training session. And so it's not necessarily always that simple, but um, how you can look at it is basically within the squad that you see there's usually four groups of players so you'll have your starters then you'll have your guys who will come off the bench um and play a decent chunk of minutes maybe those guys coming on about 55 60 you know so they're playing a decent chunk of minutes um and then you're going to have your guys who are maybe coming in at the tail end of the game um or kind of or maybe not even sneaking on you know and then you have your guys who aren't even the match day squad so basically within that um, roster makeup or four that groups. squad, there's yeah. basically four yeah. groups that you have to be aware of. Um, so the other guys will come in and we'll put them through a smaller group training. And so that's usually going to be very intense if I were to compare it to a game intensity. Let's say a game is 100% intensity. We'll expose those guys to about 
anywhere from about 110 to 130% of what a game is. So it's really short, it's really sharp, it's intense. The expectations of what they're gonna do on that game are really hard because ultimately it's difficult for a smaller group of players who aren't playing um, a game on a Saturday to achieve those sorts of volume. Um, So you basically have to pick your poison. And so in this sense, when they come in, what do we want them to be able to achieve when they come onto the field? We want them to be able to keep up with the intensity that is currently happening on the field. If not, even take the the game to a higher intensity. Come on and give us a spark, give us sharpness, give us freshness, give us like fresh legs that can go and just run at them. So now if we would take a guy who's typically coming on as um, as a sub and that's what his role has been for a while we'll start to look at and say hey you, you haven't started or you haven't played a lot of right. minutes for a while why, why don't we get you a game for City 2 you know yeah. it may not be at the same intensity and everything as right. a first team but it's still a 90 minute game right. well, once that game is done you're still going to have played 8, 9, 10, 11 um, 12 Ks depending on your mm-hmm. position with X amount of high speed running X amount of sprinting and uh, X amount of uh, soccer actions yeah. let, let's say that um, and so the players have been great where they've gone, look, I, I haven't played in a while. Hey, coach, can I go down and play a game yeah. or whatever it is? Right. Or maybe City 2 are playing on a Sunday and we've played on a Saturday, yep. and in which case we just chat to them after and say, hey, there's a game tomorrow night. I recommend you play that. Yeah. Why? Because you haven't played in a long time. Right. That's why. It's just going to help you out. Mm-hmm. And, and the more time you get to actually play games over extensive periods, extensive minutes, it can only benefit um, your development because we got a young squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another conversation that we have. Right. Um, and then if we're on the road, Sunday's usually off because games will usually start at 7.30 yeah. now with the new Apple deal. Um, depending on how far we are, we usually um, wrap up the game, get to the various airports or wherever we are about 11, 11.45. Oh. We wheels up about okay. midnight to... Um, about 12.30 or so yeah. and we're back in St. Louis at a, anywhere from 1 to 6 oh. a.m. depending on how far away we are. So usually when we're on the road, Sunday and Monday is off. Yeah. Um, when we're at home, like I said, Sunday is in, we're in for a training session right. unless some guys want to go over and play for City 2. Yeah. Uh, and then Monday is off and then we get into the rest of the week. Unbelievable. So, yeah, that that was in a nutshell. That was Sunday. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I can go into Tuesday and Wednesday if you want, but we, I mean, we could be here for a while. I guess talk me through through the idea then between. So I guess we kind of call it Sunday and then sometimes some Monday for you know longer away games. But how you balance like the midweek? It's because I feel like some people kind of think you know every day you go out and you might do a little bit of weights, you might do some mobility, then you might hit practice for an hour. Yeah. But every day I feel like is so different because mm-hmm. you guys tailor it to sure. make sure that you're you're peaking on Saturday or, or for for the game, whatever yeah. the game is. So I guess talk me through the idea of kind of like load balancing and game planning to make sure that we treat every day differently for different objectives. So. Now that you know that usually that Sunday, Monday is all for, it's yeah. a bit of a split session, but anyways, Tuesday is usually a re-entry day. So we, we don't want to blow them up with volume because the, their bodies are sort of on this like recovery trajectory, if you will. Right. Um, so to bring them in and suddenly like hit them really hard with all this workload volume doesn't make much sense, you mm-hmm. know? So if you think about it, um, when it's really cold in the morning and you start your car, what do most yeah. people do? They let let the engine run for a little bit right. and get it warmed up before we're going. So 
Um, that Tuesday is more of what we consider a re-entry day. Um, so the session tends to be short and sharp in your small amount of spaces. So this is where we're trying to sort of say, welcome back, boys. We're going to set the tone for the rest of the mm-hmm. week. So it's going to be short. It's going to be intense. It's going to, we're going to get to the point of what we want. Uh, we're going to start getting into the, the principles of the week and what Brad's looking for. And right. um, in fairness, those principles don't really change from the word go in day one of preseason all the way right. like through the season so they know when they come in it's going to be smaller spaces it's going to be a lot of intensity but we're going to sort of be in and out that door well on right. the training field in about 60 minutes or so right um yeah every morning um the guys are in the gym whether it's uh, various strength work speed power work mm-hmm. uh, mobility work uh, core work um, but they always start off in the gym first mm-hmm. um, to get their bodies uh, just up and running there's there's just a sense that when we have them in the weight room first um we're not putting heavy stack bars on their back and all of right, that, that right. nonsense um but we are getting their bodies going so by the time they set foot on the training field mm-hmm. and when it comes to getting warm-up started the guys are already in a place where let's say i cut the warm-up in half or i did, even did a fraction of that warm-up right. they're basically ready to go already right and so it's just making sure that from the start from the would go in the warm-up right i can already start getting into the basic principles of what this team is built mm-hmm. around and structured around yeah. so we're not just running around a few cones or doing this it's there's competition there's pressing um there's 2v1s there's 1v1s mm-hmm. so like we're getting into the, the the nuts and bolts of like a very basic um the the very basic principles of essentially why this team was developed yeah Right. And, and going back to another thing that you kind of hit on there, too, is one thing when I was talking about how much success has followed you since you've been in these clubs, you mentioned communication and how important managing relationships are. And I think something else that'd be interesting to hear more about from your perspective is the relationship between someone like yourself and someone like Carnell, someone like Kelly, like you mentioned, on, on the sports science side. Like, how do you all interact and, you know, how do we make sure that we're not steering into each other's lanes and not stepping on toes, but complementing each other in a way that creates synergy versus, you know, uh, some sort of separation or some sort of rivalry? against each other yeah yeah um pretty simple easy process to be to be honest with you um in in fairness uh brad certainly helps make my life easier because he's he's come through a system already where he's sort of in tune with what different days mean and what Mm -hmm. they should mean and how he wants to work and progress through the week and obviously when we first met yeah we had to go through um, our fair share of um, just discussions in terms of how we want to structure the days right. and the week and uh, leading into um, each game day. Um, but essentially, without even saying it, like Brad knows what um, your Tuesday or match day minus four is going to look like and what our expectations are for a match day minus three and then what we do on minus two and minus one. And so he makes my life easier uh i like to think that at times i make his life easier you know um if i'm not telling him we either need less or we need more or this one needs to be pulled out or this one needs to do extra or whatever it is um but in terms of just i think our collaboration as a group between myself brad kelly the rest of the coaching staff the medical staff um i would say for the most part um we've done a hell of a job and and i think that stems from something that's probably overlooked and it's the fact that i think just on a day-to-day basis you're dealing with good people um and so it just makes 
having a conversation or something where maybe he has an idea about something and I have an idea about something else um, and there's a little bit of a discussion that needs to happen um, really easy to go in and have that discussion and hey this is why I think A or B or C and he'll sort of sit there and listen and he'll be able to decipher that interpret it how he wants and then we come up with a plan to move forward you know Um, and so I think him also having the trust in me where I understand what the different exercises are that he's looking for and that what he tends to lean towards, what it's going to elicit and the demands it's going to have on yeah. the players. Um, it's, it's really easy for him to say, hey, I want to do a 97 or I want to do this or I want to do this type of rondo, whatever right. it may be. And both of us are on the same page in terms of what it's going to bring about in terms of physical loading. Right. And so to sort of say, hey, we want this day to be this. Okay, well, this is going to tie nicely into that. And this day is going to tie nicely into mm-hmm. that. And so, yeah, I mean, um, when when I was in New England and dealing with a Bruce or when I was dealing with an Adrian um, over in Seattle when it was the Ziggies and the Ezra's and the right. Brian Schmetzers and them, um, these conversations tended to be a little bit more difficult because yeah. they already had a set idea of what they want to do um, and now you're dealing with things where there's a lot of subjective feeling around it versus objective feeling yep. so you kind of had to go and sorry not objective feeling objective data and objective right. reasoning why right. I bring that and so that tended to be a little bit longer of a navigation process in terms mm-hmm. of uh, this is why you should or shouldn't do this exercise uh, or this is why it may be better suited today or tomorrow yeah. or let's do it sooner or let's do it longer or let's do it w- whatever it may be but you kind of had to have your ducks in a row in terms right. of when you're going to somebody who is as experienced and has a winning record like a Bruce Arena to sort of say I don't think you should do that <laughs> exercise today you need to make sure that you have your right. uh, yeah you're basically your stuff in alignment before yeah. you go in there and you start like throwing uh, stuff at the wall as to why or why you shouldn't be doing things, you know? Yeah, I feel like you kind of live in the paradigm of the eye test and what you observe, you know, the qualitative mm-hmm. and the quantitative and the Absolutely. data and what you're observing from yeah. a metrics perspective. So I think that that was getting into one of my things I wanted to tease tease on is one, your thoughts on the relationship between both, you know, the eye test versus uh, the quantitative, because I'm sure there's a good relationship. You have to kind of measure, you can't just go full to one side. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to blend both. And then two, kind of, what are some of the metrics or kind of your indicators of success that like you measure yourself on? Like this is the way that we kind of measure Jared's performance and how they, like what are you kind of looking at to make sure like this is kind of my leading indicator to know that I'm doing a good job with managing the team? Yeah, two good questions actually. Um, to the subjective part, you, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody for uh, doing the eye test on, right. on everything. You know, that, that's basically like in a nutshell, the Littman's test for right. how everybody assesses everyone's performance, yep. you know? And so using that as a barometer is, is good and bad. Um, good because if you have the understanding of, let's say it's, it's preseason, it's cold, yep. the guys are obviously not at match fitness levels yet. Right. Um, you're probably going to be able, you're going to see guys in in a certain element where you know they're not fit yet. Um, and so maybe halfway through the training session, you're going to start seeing guys hit the wall already. Um, but you also understand preseason is there for a reason and we're trying to create an overload effect mm-hmm. on the guys uh, within reason without, we're trying to bend them, but we're not trying to break them, if you will. Right. And so using the eye test will get you so far. 
Um, and that's basically the reason why in preseason you go through all your physical testing to sort of say, okay, this guy is there, this guy is there, this guy is there. And then you put them into their positionals, well, their positions, and then you give them the stresses that they're going to experience playing the game itself. Right. Um, but then if you think about it, as the guys start to progress through preseason, as they start to, like the weather gets warmer, uh, guys start to get fitter, are we still going to judge them based on how they were one week, two weeks, right. three weeks ago? You know, so as long as you sort of um, being conscious of how they're starting to um, adapt, then different story. And um, being conscious of the fact that, hey, mid-season, it may be as hot as it is over here or in Texas or we're playing in Kansas or wherever it is. So if you're understanding that naturally you're just going to be that much more tired and you're going to be okay with judging that on the eye test, mm -hmm. then great. Right. But if you're still expecting the same level of volume and intensity when we go into all these hotter places or guys are slightly fatigued from a lot of travel or a lot of minutes or everything like that, that's where you start to see that the old eye test start to fail you a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, but at the same time, all the data and everything that we use is honestly just to supplement the eye test. Right. Um, is it confirming what I'm seeing or am I missing something? You know, like maybe I'm focused on a six that's having a really good game or a really poor game, but right. um, I haven't even paid attention to what my my 11 or my seven's doing. But in fact, he's been bombing up and down and yep. he, he just doesn't, maybe hasn't had that great of an effect in the game and whether it's uh, good or bad. But maybe he's covering 10, 15, 20 sprints already and we mm -hmm. only, um, I mean, three quarters of the way yeah, through a game. Right. So it, it does help with things that you can't see. You can't see everything at once right. with the eye test. And so it does help just give you analytic perspective and right. a picture on, on what's going on. In terms of what I would use to measure myself, yep. um, Again, a good question. And one thing that I would stress to say in this world, we are trying to drive performance and optimize performance first. Um, and then we're thinking about player health, player safety. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're thinking about, yes, we want our guys to be available. We want them to play. But at the same time, we can't not do anything right. every day just because we're so scared of getting guys injured. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be able to go and perform and be able to redline ourselves and and really just go up against our opponents and make their life a misery. And if we went into places like your Austins right. um, and like the places that we've been really successful on the road and not being able to really get in their faces and get on top of them constantly, I think we may be seeing a different result. So while we're trying to optimize performance the whole way, there's that careful balancing act of saying, okay, well, how much can we continue to push our guys and drive that physical adaptation right. without pushing them over the edge? Yeah. And so, yes, I want an injury-free team. I think so does so many other teams across mm -hmm. the league, but at the same time, we are really involved in a performance-orientated um, Yeah. It, you know professions so right. before anybody judges us on anything they're going to be looking at our results yeah um and so that's what we have to be mindful of mm -hmm. and so um i love seeing our guys uninjured and having a full roster availability right. and everything like that and and it's like we were saying off air a little bit ago you know at, if i were to offer 
any coach across the league at any given stage the most amount of injuries you're going to have is yeah. two across the season right you're probably going to snatch my arm off you know <laughs> so i i can and and when i sign on for some of these teams like one of the things i i basically say up front is i promise you we're going to have injuries um we're going to try and mitigate those injuries and keep them as low as possible mm-hmm. um but still to this day when somebody figures out how do you have an injury-free player and an injury-free team forever, uh, I think that person is going to make a lot of money. Yeah, you know? I would say so. Oh so, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't have the uh, uh, the crystal ball of how do you totally keep players uninjured and optimize their performance at the highest of levels all the time. Right. Um, but I would say overall between um, just the, the coaching staff, the medical staff, the performance staff, um, the players themselves, they're mm-hmm. doing a hell of a job, you know, like mm-hmm. if you see them on a day-to-day basis, they're always trying to push that envelope. Yeah. And for me and my role and um, the coaching staff and even somebody like a, a Lutz Van Insteel, like that's what he wants to see, you know, you want to see that passion, you want to see that fire, you want to see that hunger to just keep driving on, you know, mm-hmm. um, keep getting after it. And, and sort of that's what we're trying to give the players that platform for right yeah yeah you go boys like you've you've worked so hard you've positioned yourself to be successful now go out there and get it right you know um and so obviously we're still a young team um in terms of just how long we've been in the league all our experiences now that first half of the league was built on first yeah that was the first time we've gone to uh, Texas and played Austin that was the first time <laughs> yep. or kind of twice that we've gone to uh, Dallas and had yeah, to play in Dallas right, you know that's right. the first time Houston's come here that's the first time uh, we've been to Seattle and had to play on that turf yes. and so just keeping everything in perspective for like how we're growing and developing this team is is essential so I think in terms of what you're seeing how the players are going and embracing the challenge and, and just literally embracing the un- unknown um they're doing a hell of a job, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you just look objectively yeah. at, at the leaderboard, the Western Conference right yeah, now, I mean, yeah. you're, if that's what you were measuring on as performance, I mean, you guys couldn't be doing much better. So, I mean, hats off to you and the rest of the staff and team. But so obviously things are going well. I wanted to give you the moment to share here. I mean, so we're halfway through the season now, which is crazy to think about, mm-hmm. but we're, we're halfway through. Any moments or, or wins or memories stick out to you as something that you just... It was either a really, really feel-good moment, like we were super excited whether that was the first win down in Austin or you know maybe here against Cincinnati. Anything stick out to you as being, wow, like I'll never forget that feeling or that memory from this first season here? Yeah, there's a number of those moments, actually. I'm sure. Um, and, and I don't know if you'll be surprised by this or not, but one of those first moments were when we were in preseason and we had our first preseason game, uh, well, we had played uh, Philly and into Miami, but that that specific feeling that I get is after the into Miami game, and yes, we we were playing like there were mixed teams and right. and all of that. It, right. it, it's preseason. It's, yeah. it's just preseason. But the the way our players played that game and the intensity at what they played that game, mm-hmm. and because we we were still trying to figure out who are we and and who is and what is this group that we've just put together and right. are we good enough are we capable to really start competing in in major league soccer right and so the bottom line is it's an inter miami team that's got a, a lot of experienced players right. and maybe they haven't been the most successful team but they've 
been a team good enough to make playoffs. For sure. And so here we are playing them in preseason. And I'll tell you what, we, we absolutely did an incredible job. <laughs> I mean, I just really want to say we blew them out the water yeah. in that game. And we did. And I was kind of sitting on the bench almost in this like giddy way going, wow. You know, when, yeah. when these guys turn it on, like it is crazy to see really and and i think if you fast track that to when we come to city park over here and play against teams and you see that relentless press pressing and that relentless pressure and the guys are just like we are not taking our foot off the gas and um opponents are going just give me a second here Mm -hmm. you know like why every time if i turn left there's a guy on my left and if i turn right there's a guy over there and if i try to go backwards there's a guy over there and I, i feel like St. Louis City are playing with like maybe an extra man or two on man or two on the field, right. um, and so that was really like that first indication of like, hang on, like do do we have something on our hands over yeah. here that can be special, right? And um, as we went through the rest of preseason, well, uh, I think that was the case, you know, and and we really did a good job, and we had our fair share of challenges, mm-hmm. you know, when we we went from um, down in down in Florida to over in. Coachella when we played the Galaxy you know right. when that first half against the Galaxy over there was a really good half um, then we made our changes Galaxy were a little bit further along the line in terms of how they wanted to uh, move their players along in preseason so they kept their starters on and we made a, a, a yep. full line change and um, they ended up beating us 4-1 at the mm-hmm. end of the game but up to that 60th minute it was 1-1 and it was all us yeah. and so and then when you start to delve into what those extra three goals look like, it was really going, hey guys, you're gonna beat yourself up because of the scoreline, mm-hmm. but look how you played in between. And at the same time, look at what can happen to you when you do let our principles get away from us. Yeah. Um, so seeing us go from this high in Florida to what we considered a little bit of a low, all within preseason mm-hmm. against the Galaxy to how we started climbing yeah. out of that was one of those moments where I'm thinking, man, if we come together and we really play right. how we can, we are gonna make teams life hell. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can go across the league, player for player, salary for salary, budget for budget, and, and, and get into all that good stuff. but. Bottom line is when you see this team really come together and get after it, yeah, um, it's it truly is some like something special, For isn't sure. it? For sure. So I mean, it, it's amazing. You said, I, I obviously I, I think we I don't know if many of those games are streamed or if you're able to even watch those, but we did like the match reports. But so yeah. I would have never been able to pick up on that story that you shared. But I feel like everything you just described was almost a preview of what's to come, right? Yeah. Like there's your highs, there's your super high highs, and when we're playing at our best. You know, we can play with most anyone in the league, mm-hmm. and then you're playing, and you hit those lows. But it's all about finding that balance, and then it's kind of a, like a little bit of a roller coaster of a season. Even this first half so far has kind of been filled with those ups and downs. Yeah. But I want to ask you, just selfishly, how has it been being in St. Louis? Now you've been here for, I mean, when did you move to St. Louis to take this role? Um, I arrived last May, end of May, beginning of June, okay. and got going with City Two. Yeah. Um, and then just before we started bringing in um, all the international guys. Right. Yeah. So how has it felt kind of now being in this town, living in this town, seeing it light up and support this team around it? Has it been something that you kind of feel it, you know, shouts back to your time in South Africa and the soccer culture there? Or is it something new? And how has it felt just being in St. Louis, being a part of this really, really fun time that we've had so far? 
I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, look, we had good support at City too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't here for that um, that first game. Yeah. Um, but when they played it at Slu, I was watching online right. because I was really um, in talks with the club to sort of get everything up and running on, on my end. But just watching that alone was going, hey, that's pretty cool, you know, for, for right. a second team, that, yeah. that's pretty cool. But n- not even that could have geared you up for right. what this city is capable of and that fan base is capable of, yeah. you know. Um, and one of the things that so obviously seattle have a big um following and minnesota like that stadium out there is it's a lovely stadium right. you know it, it packs in twenty thousand, and it, yeah it's it may not be the biggest stadium yeah. but it's a close-knit loud stadium mm-hmm. so um they, they did a heck of a job building that and then of course you go over to new england when you like watch the games you're going kind of where are all the fans you know yeah. but because it's being played in such a big NFL stadium right. that it would it wouldn't be uncommon for us to have thirty five thousand in that stadium, and it would still feel like do yeah, we only have like ten thousand right, people in right. there kind of thing. Yep. And so, um, coming into this environment where you're going, okay, I'm I'm interested to see what this crowd is going to be like. You know, like they say, St. Louis is the soccer city, and obviously, I right. heard a lot of stories before because. Basically, anybody you come across um, in MLS at some point has got a connection to St. Louis. And you don't really realize what those stories mean or how deep they go until you experience it. So one of the things I was interested in was seeing, hey, are we going to have this fan base that's going to sort of come to games and just want to be a spectator? Mm-hmm. I'm just coming to watch a show. I'm going to, I'm going to grab my drink. I'm going to grab my popcorn. I'm going to sit on my butt and I'm going right. to watch guys run yeah. around a big giant yeah. rectangle, you know? <laughs> And um, I think it's safe to say that it's almost the total opposite, right? So I didn't even realize it, but um, when my family was at a games, they were like, you know, nobody sits down. Like everybody in that lower bowl is standing. Yeah. And so I was like, really? And so I sort of like, the next game I looked and everybody in that lower bowl is standing. (sighs) And it is is an absolute riot. And um, so from just me trying to like see how these fans are going to be to what they are and how they came out there's no ways that city two games could have prepared you for what this fan base is going to be like now you know i mean obviously when they were playing at um siue they would bring their guys and they'll bring the flags and Mm -hmm. bring the drums and a little bit of the noise and everything like that and and it was a it was a great job that they did over there you know in in retrospect but like if you were to compare that to now it's it's obviously night and day and so um i think the fans are great they honestly are the 12th man for, oh, for yeah. what we are doing yeah. and you can you can even hear like sort of like the decibels go up when if it's one one or we're getting after it again or we're getting after them in their half or we're not letting them out or the pressure's relentless like you can hear that start to climb in it's the like stadium buzz, right yeah, it just yeah. slowly gets a little louder it, it's it's honestly incredible so i think the fans are doing a hell of a job and it's not just to say that they're good fans in terms of how they come out and support they they're knowledgeable fans right. they know what they're doing right. you know when you, when you talk to people they know about the history of soccer in st mm-hmm. louis um they, they they don't just sort of see like guys running around on a soccer field yeah. they have a pretty good indication of hey this is the role of a nine and this is mm-hmm. what we want our outside backs to be doing and this is what we want our sixes to be doing and hey tim parker is doing a heck of a job yeah, back there and, right. you know you know and, and berkey isn't just somebody who stands between sticks and uh, right. picks a ball up out of a net every now and then or does a few goal kicks you know look at the save look at his positioning this is why he's doing it look how he just dis- 
uh, distributes the ball. Right. Um, so just the insight that I've heard across my time with um, a lot of the people that you come across is yeah. is impressive. Yeah, very involved fans for yeah. sure. And, yeah. and that, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's your takeaway. Yeah. But I mean, I guess for you personally too, how has it been settling into St. Louis? Just as a human with a family here, how have you found your experience thus far settling into what's my hometown for the last basically 28 years? Yeah, um, it's been really good. It has been way beyond what I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Obviously, <laughs> uh, I came, my first landing spot in this in the States was Maine. Um, and then my first pro club was obviously Seattle, which is a lovely city yep. out there at the Pacific Northwest and the mountains and, yep. and the city and the ocean and everything. And then, then you have Minnesota and then you have the lakes and everything, which yep. is also nice and out there. And then you go to Boston and Boston itself is on the, <laughs> on the coast and all of that with all the trees. And then, so looking into St. Louis, without knowing much about it i was kind of going yeah. where are we going justifiably yeah, yeah honestly like where are we going you know i really really like the midwest and this is why i was leaning towards uh coming to st louis anyways because mm. i i just like the feeling of the midwest you know um and so when you start to like look into it and you're doing a searches online and then there, there's a lot of negativity that comes along with right. the st louis and like the safety involved For and sure. everything like that um, so when we came out here and you start to get a little bit into the woods of what St. Louis is, you start to realize, man, it's a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to take the good and the bad together. You do have to be aware of what the city is and what it isn't. Um, and in terms of like bringing my family over here, um, them getting involved in the city, finding schools for my kids, um, places to live. Right. the the good pockets all over the city are absolutely terrific they are. um and you can see there is an active push to just improve the city as a whole because there are so many people who love the city mm-hmm. you know and and i've been here for about a year right now and i can see that yeah um and it's made me actively like conscious of hey man you can see like this is right. going up and this is going up and this is improving and this is and they're building new roads over here and they're yeah. doing this and, and it's great you know stuff like it that is, I, yeah. I usually couldn't care less about but you know it's something that like I've, I've obviously paid attention to now so i think in terms of what the city is and where it wants to go i think that's probably the most special part yeah it is I, you, you came into like a brand new project in city and then city more broadly st yeah. louis city like it's a, you're you're part of it too being with the club but it's yeah. whole revitalization revamping making it safer making it more of an attractive place to come to but i think you've come in at a good time as well because mm-hmm. i think it's it's even pushed further and further along since i've been here i mean like yeah. way 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 miles ahead so excited about that for sure i'm glad you're experiencing that from your perspective but when you're not directing sports performance here jared or, or helping coach and, and assist us to record-breaking you know first halves of the season for an expansion team all the different things that we've done what does jared like to do in his in his free time in his limited probably free time but what 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 do you find yourself wanting to do on the weekends when you have some time uh or weekdays i guess sure, because weekends sure. are probably equally as busy yeah, yeah yeah uh priority number one has always been trying to spend uh, time with my family yeah um because just the nature of the beast with this profession is that it's going to take you away and going to take time away from your family so anytime where i just get to um chill out and hang with the fam is terrific um where like seeing 
my my little one-year-old like her taking her first steps you know that that's really important to me and um seeing my my four-year-old learn how to ride a bicycle and learn how to ride a little motorbike and drive his little electric car and stuff (laughs) like that you know to me that stuff um and those are things that you you can't rewind and get back right and so just being present um in those moments is is something that i've come to realize is like invaluable of course um especially as you sort of like have a family and you go into yeah. this type of world with they try to stretch you in all directions you know you got to be with the team and you got to be hyper focused on the players and it's it's players first it's winning first and, and you're trying to drive that and then get home and you got to switch off yep you, you you're not there you're not trying to get results anymore yep. you, you you're not the guy whether we're coming off a great win or right. uh, like a really disappointing loss right. you kind of got to like just drop that at the front door and then carry on and be yeah. the uh, the the husband and the yeah. um the father that they expect you to be yeah. you know and I, I think i'm guilty along with other people too uh, i haven't got that right at many many times but um yeah just trying to sort of be present in my family's life but the the, the next biggest one is like if i can get out onto the golf course okay. or um okay. that that i love that there is amazing golf around yep. here in st louis mm-hmm. and um so if i can do that and uh yeah that's great every time i, I say i'm off to play golf my wife kind of like rolls her eyes at me and she's like of course you are <laughs> but uh, yeah so d- doing that and okay. um we have a staff who love to play um tennis and pickleball yep. uh i would like to think i'm better at tennis than what i really am yeah um, so yeah there's a good little uh like sort of let's call it a interest off um tennis league that goes oh, on with yeah. us you know and, and that gets pretty competitive we have a couple of those, those coaches who are, are, are pretty dang good at um playing <laughs> tennis and then in preseason we got into pickleball okay. in the afternoons you know once the training's all said and done and you um you sort of give the boys a little bit of time to breathe yeah. in the afternoon well we'll go off and we'll play pickleball and um, i don't think it, it's, it's any surprise to you that i tell you what you saw tempers flare in those pickleball oh, I bet, games yeah. and it is awesome seeing that uh that competition come out in the staff as well but uh, yeah it, it, it's great yeah that's amazing it's funny because i mean you guys live in a competition fill environment and then you take your head out of soccer and just put it into a pickleball court yeah, a pickleball yeah. game but i'm sure it's equally as competitive and serious just because you can't take that out of the person no, ab- it just absolutely comes. and you're around guys who have either like played sport at a professional level or a competitive right. level and and you know the the old head uh, wants to do things that the body can't do anymore right. and so <laughs> seeing like these uh yeah these old timers step onto a pickleball yeah. court and really get after it uh oh. yeah it, it makes for a few good laughs but uh, i tell That's you what amazing. you can still see the hand-eye coordination and the skill and everything is still very much there with a lot of them oh i love it i love it one, one more personal question for you jared and i have to ask i'd be remiss but a guy that is in charge of managing fitness and and planning for all of these you know professional players here at, at city how do you manage your own personal fitness what what's what's the jared regimen yeah it's a good question it's a good question you, you know um you really have to drag yourself into the whether it's into the gym or out on yeah. a run or whatever it may be um at, at times and because usually you commit so much time and energy into sort of getting the guys into the gym and then you're out into the right. field and before you know it you sort of been on your feet for a good three four five hours and then afterwards you're going all right now we have to start prepping for tomorrow okay so do do i try to take the next 30 45 mm-hmm. minutes to myself to do something right. during the day or do we finish prep for the next day and then i go and do something yeah. like that um but 
you you know uh, I would consider trying to take some time out from my day where even if I get in a 15 minute workout okay. um, I'll take that at times yeah. um, but if I can uh, drag myself into a weight room and get a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a rhythm and momentum sure. going you, you know it's the same as everything like when you when you get yourself into the gym and you get working out yeah. it's easier to do it the next day and the next day and the next day but if we've been on the road and you're right. tired and you're back and you haven't been in the gym I tell you what can be a grind trying to get yourself in there so it's man I really don't want to go to the gym today I really don't want to work out but <laughs> just go sit on the bench until you get so bored of sitting on the bench where you start lifting or yep. you start doing this or yep. or go on a slow run where you go oh, I'm so bored of running slow I'm going to start running fast now yeah. um, so just little things like that but um, the golf the pickleball the tennis yeah. you know just getting out and about and doing stuff like that also sort of gets the legs moving and Love things it. like that so yeah that does help good good well my, my final question I have for you Jerry before we wrap up today is so we're, we're turning the page on the first half of the season heading into the second half at the time of recording this is Wednesday before we play Real Salt Lake midweek here and then we head on to San Jose in the weekend how are we feeling about the second half? Is the goal still the same? You know, we're pushing to make the playoffs here. Is how are the vibes in the locker room and amongst the coaches? I'm sure it's pretty positive, but I would love to hear from an insider how how does it feel to be a part of this heading into now the second half of this season? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I were to have like one comment as you start to head into this last little stretch, it's buckle up, but but a cup. Yeah. You know, because I tell you what, you see teams where they can start sniffing that playoff line. Um, teams who realize, look, we may just be out of playoffs or may be just in playoffs. So mm -hmm. um, and I think you can see it when teams just in general, when they come to City Park, they're they're playing better than usual. You know, they're not just coming to City Park anymore because they think it's going to be a, a walk in the right. park. You know, in fact, I don't think they ever came to City Park thinking that. Mm -hmm. And if they did, well... Yeah, good they luck learned. to them. Yeah. Yeah. But um, teams are coming here and playing 5, 10, 15, 20% better than um, what you would expect of that team. Right. And so that same type of mindset and outcome starts to apply to all teams and all games mm -hmm. um, as you look into that second part of the season. Because like I said, teams are playing to stay in playoffs. Teams are playing to get into playoffs. Teams are playing to not fall out of play also if they're on that cusp of falling out. So right. games start to become frantic. Games start to become crazy. So um, it's just going to be like a madhouse the closer we start to get towards the end of that season. Um, and the beauty of that is this team basically operates in chaos. You know, so <laughs> teams do. are, teams yeah. are going to come here and try and do that same thing and we are going to be used to it. Yep. Um, the biggest thing is is that um, our guys go out there and don't let the occasion become bigger than what it really mm -hmm. is. You know, At the end of the day, it still is 11 v 11 with a, a wide soccer ball in the field and there's only so much you can do. But taking care of all the things that the guys can control right. and, and really not letting their nerves get on top of them. And that's why... The start of the season or the first half of the season was so important because there were so many firsts. This was the first time they were playing this team and this team and yeah. this team. And you know, after, even after the negative results, I bet you go to the guys again and go, hey, would you like to have that game back? Yeah. And they're going, you're damn right I would. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's why I think it's going to be a crazy forecast for what's coming up. Um, and then do I think this team is good enough absolutely i think yeah. they've they've proven that um when we stick together and when we play as a team I, i'm not sure if there's many 
um, cohesive groups like this one in the entire league. Yeah. Um, and there's so many teams and coaches and players who have come up to us as a staff and the players afterwards and just gone, and this is regardless of whether it's a win or a loss and gone, wow, yeah. like that was a hard game or that was a, like a tough team. And even this game against Nashville, which obviously was really disappointing. And I promise you there's no one more disappointed than, um, than the, the players themselves right. and the staff and at the end of that game. But if you sort of like really delve into it um, before the penalty, like you you were watching that game and going, huh, uh, we're doing well. Yeah, you know that we we were playing really well. Yeah, and in a we were headed for a solid tie mm-hmm. or a good draw. And mm-hmm. getting a draw on the road is really impressive because yeah. all those little um, singular points add up over the course of right. the season. Um, at the same time, it's really easy, and that's like a really good like indication or example of how things can go pear-shaped really quickly as soon as you maybe switch off in moments and if you if you think about it it wasn't a bad performance that let us down it was maybe switching off in really really small moments and at the end of the day when you see the second half of the season teams are probably going to lose games based off of the amount of mistakes that they make not necessarily based off of how well their overall performance will so if you can start watching games and seeing how if we can start mitigating those mistakes and having more complete performances as it pertains to our own like style of play and philosophy um i I think you'll see this team really start to shine um it's safe to say that we've been through our highs and our lows and this is very much what the mls season is you know i think one of the things that you've seen is teams who coast through the whole year without really getting tried and tested you get to playoffs and that's a different beast yeah, and then what so. happens if you down a goal or down two goals in playoffs mm-hmm. like are you at each other's throats or um you you sort of like do does the house of cards start to fall down if you will right. or have you been through enough of those situations where you go right boys we know we've been here let's let's yep. go again yeah and so i think we we're doing a good job sort of circumnavigating everything as a group in our first year so yes it is going to be a really interesting a really exciting uh, second leg over here i'm really excited for it the players are really excited for it because like i said there's even moments where there's good games they want to have another crack at it in moments where the results haven't gone our way they want to have another crack at it so i love it um i think you're going to see a a pretty motivated city group um yeah really get after these these next few opponents that we have nice so we're not resting on our laurels we're Absolutely gonna we're not. gonna buckle in and it's yep. gonna be a hell of a ride for the second half it but i'm glad that you're involved jared and i appreciate you taking the time to join us here best of luck to you, you and the team the rest thanks. of the way here we'll, we'll be following very closely that's awesome thanks for your time man i really enjoyed it and uh yeah who knows maybe we do this again in the future. maybe so, so. maybe great. so thanks jared cool thanks man And there you have it. That was Jared Phillips, City's Sports Performance Director and part of the first team coaching staff at St. Louis City SC. Once again, I want to extend a huge thank you and a big, big appreciation to Jared Phillips for joining us. I hope you all enjoyed getting to know him. He's a fantastic man and one that we are lucky to have here in St. Louis as long as that may last. So we'll definitely look to have Jared on again and pick his brain probably as the season goes on or maybe even postseason to see how we're prepping for season two or if that changes at all. But hopefully you all enjoyed. We love doing this kind of bonus content and special guest interviews for you all. So this won't be the last, but 
it's an exciting one, and we are very, very happy to release this to you all. So hope you all are having a fantastic week, and we will catch you again soon. Bye.